Holy NFL, I mean, my gosh, talk about it, an absolutely insane Sunday, and honestly, as I'm recording this, we could have more breaking news. The Cowboys and the Giants, the Cowboys win, but am I more optimistic for their future or concerned about the Giants? Plus, the Patriots and Eagles both lose, are they just one-week things? Or is there actual concern for the long term? Plus, the Chiefs beat the Steelers. The Jaguars and Bucks are either of them the real deal. The Minnesota Vikings and Green Bay Packers tie? Sam Donald could turn the New Orleans Saints the kicking disaster. Fonte Davis retiring at halftime. It is an NFL podcast that starts right about now. But in the Sports 6 Podcast, I am your host, Nick Friend, again, here on an absolutely, like, and I know I say this sometimes as a cliche, but really, this is a jam Monday, folks. I mean, this was one of the craziest NFL weekends I've remembered in recent memory, and honestly, I'm recording this at 9.40 a.m. Eastern Time. By the time this is released, there's also a very good chance that, you know, Josh Brown is on another, Josh Brown, Josh Gordon is on another team. So... We'll see what happens there as well. It's insane. There's a lot of madness. And let's start with two and a half minutes on the clock for the madness. Not so much uh, that happened last night. First and foremost, I, I, I would I would like to um yeah officially congratulate the Dallas Cowboys uh, on beating the you know the New York Giants. Like whoop de doo good. Job, how about them cowboys? Like, holy cow, if there is ever a victory you have no business in talking after, Dallas Cowboys fans, it is this victory. But I'm gonna get more on you in a second here. Let me go to the Giants for a minute. They looked absolutely predictably bad because when you make the wrong decision decisions as a franchise over and over again, drafting, free agency, etc. This is unbelievably predictable. There is a reason I did not have you making the playoffs, Giants fans, and it was because of this. But even as bad as I expected the Giants to be, or more disappointing as I expected the Giants to be this season, this blew my expectations in terms of bad performances out of the water. They couldn't even get in the Cowboys half of the field in the first half. If you really think about that, you have Odell Beckham, you have Eli Manning, you have Barkley, and you can't get on the other side of the 50 in the first half and score just three points until garbage time when you finally, you know, got your act together a little bit? Like, this is a microcosm. This is a microcosm of why I have been saying since literally the draft, and then I harped on it again hard last week and on my radio show yesterday, that the Giants made a mistake by drafting Barkley. You could have had an offensive lineman, since Giants fans like to blame the offensive line. You could have had an offensive lineman. You could have had another pass defender. You could have traded down and gotten assets and then drafted multiple of those. But instead, you drafted a guy that yesterday averaged two and a half yards on 11 touches. And I know some Giants fans are like, but he caught 14 catches, Nick. 14. Yeah, for even 80 yards. And even Pat Schumer, your head coach, said, quote, you'd rather him not be catching all those checkdowns, but he is a threat with the ball in his hands, end quote. So it's like, oh, goody. He caught a whole bunch of checkdowns to what? Just get banged up on his body? 
more early in his career and more often. Like, okay. And this is why you should have rebuilt. You should have rebuilt New York Giants. And now, because you didn't go with all in on the rebound, uh, rebuilt, and instead you're kind of playing this middle game or pretending to go all in or even, in fact, going all in when it's just delusional, you are now in the midst of a 10-year rebuild. That's the reality. This is your fifth 0-2 start in the past six years. You've made the playoffs once in the past six years, so there's six years of rebuilding, despite delusional expectations half of the time. And you're about to have another four to five years of rebuilding because Eli Manning is not a good quarterback anymore, and you're going to have to go out and find one, and that ain't easy in case you didn't notice. And Cowboys fans, as I wrap this up, you just can't talk. You can't talk. Your offense didn't look good either. Your defense actually kind of showed up. But besides that, don't talk to me until you actually play good competition in week six. Two and a half minutes on the clock again for the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, I got to be honest, I'm concerned about both, and I am not one to overreact. And in fact, people who listen to this podcast could even argue at times I underreact on Mondays to the NFL games the previous day. But I am concerned about both after these losses. Like, first and foremost, at least to me, the Philadelphia Eagles have hope. Like, they can look at their situation and say, okay, we have Nick Foles, who at this point has been a below-average quarterback. He hasn't been playoff Nick Foles, right? (laughs) We are supposedly getting Carson Wentz back next week. And even last season, people forget because they won the Super Bowl, but in most of those games, they were trailing or behind and edged it out at the end. But we forget that because they won the Super Bowl and we all have short-term memory, which is understandable. So you look at the quarterback, you look at close games last season, and you can go, okay, I have hope. You also then look at injuries like Mike Wallace now being out for the season, Jason Peters, their stellar offense lineman went out early in this game, Jay Ajayi also went out, and you're kind of concerned about that, but at least you have hope. I, like, I am incredibly more concerned about the New England Patriots. I am. And, and people who listen to this podcast on any type of consistent basis know I do not say that lightly. I, I really overall never doubt the New England Patriots. And I know many New England Patriots fans and the journalists there in Boston are trying to sell this. This is just a game. It's one game. It was hot in Jacksonville. They've had some of these early, early blunders in previous seasons. Whether it's the Chiefs last year, the Chiefs in 2014, they've had these early blunders in past seasons. This is just an early blunder, and don't worry about it. But I hate to break it to you, but a lot of the concerns I had pre postseason, preseason rather, not postseason, came to fruition. Their offensive line. Not able to protect Tom Brady all in this game. Yes, against a good front seven, but still a pathetic performance. Brady's wide receivers. Once you shut down Gronk. He has nothing to go to right now. But my biggest concern of all is neither of those. Because at least with the offensive line, you can say, okay, they have a really good offensive line coach in Dante Scarnacchia, and at least with Tom Brady's targets, he's going to get Julian Edelman back in week five after he gets off suspension. So you have some hope there, right? On the defensive side, this isn't getting fixed, Patriots fans. You made Blake Bortles literally look like a competent quarterback. I didn't know that was possible to do. We've seen it at times, but forget competent. You made Blake Bortles look like a bordering on great quarterback. You made Blake Bortles outplay Tom Brady in this game. And you look at the secondary, Eric Rowe, Jason McCourty, 
getting absolutely toasted in this game time and time again. Same with Patrick Chung, who then went out with a concussion, and clearly Patrick Chung isn't great, but I hate to break this to the Patriots fans. Your depth behind him isn't great, so hopefully that isn't a serious concussion. And even your big free agent ad from an offseason ago, Stefan Gilmore got burned on a touchdown as well. And you now look at this situation where the Jaguars weren't even healthy. Fournette, their running back, out. Cam Robinson, who we have since found out it's a season-ending injury for the left tackle, was out in this game. And if I'm Patriots fans, this kind of reminds me of 2012. And as Patriots fans know, that's not a good thing. I think this defense is going to come up later on in this season as a major, and I'll even say it, season-ending issue. Two minutes on the clock, the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll ask the question here I asked in today's show. Is this more about good Chiefs or bad Steelers? This is more about good Chiefs. It, 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 that, By the way, that sounds weird for me to say because people know I have been harping on the Steelers and everything that has been them this season so far. But this is good Chiefs. This is, And as I wrote in my article that's up after Sunday's games on SportsHook.com here with my 10 original takeaways... Like, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this kid, I'm literally getting chills right now. This kid was unbelievable, insane. And I even, for those of you who read my article, you kind of know I am very, very, very hesitantly optimistic on this kid because I don't buy into younger quarterbacks easy at all. I never have and am not all the way bought on on a Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson, et cetera. The only person I really bought all in on is Jimmy Garoppolo as a young quarterback within the past three to four years. I don't buy in on these guys easily. But Mahomes is like, again, I'm, I'm pulling myself back because I can feel myself going there and I don't want to, but holy cow. And then you look at the weapons he has, a Kelsey, a Sammy Watkins, Tariq Hill, and Kareem Hunt. You tell me how to stop that. The only thing they need to do is get their defensive act together. By the way, it's very clear they made a mistake of getting rid of Marcus Peters because they miss him. But regardless, they need to get their defensive act together and they look like one of the best teams for getting the AFC in the league. Now, I will say this. I'm concerned about saying that long-term because you have Andy Reid and a rookie quarterback, and who knows how that goes. For Steelers fans, where are you at? Where are you? Hello? You still there? Because you were, oh my goodness, harping on me left and right before the season began. I did not have them making the playoffs, and all I heard is, Nick, how can you not have us making the playoffs? All I heard after week one was, oh, we don't need Le'Veon Bell. See, who needs Le'Veon Bell? Like, pfft, he doesn't impact us winning. Well... Whoops, whoopsie-daisy, because you would have won with him in that game without a doubt yesterday. And you're lucky the Chiefs' pass rush wasn't on, because this would have been more of a disaster if it was. And you play the Bucks, who are lightning hot for some reason, who I'll get to in a second, and the Ravens next, and you're looking at very easily being 1-3 or 0-4. So, welcome to not making the playoffs. 60 seconds on the clock. The Jags, the Bucks, are they the real deal? And I got to be honest, like, this just feels weird. It, it just feels weird to see Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars looking like one of the best teams in the league with Blake Bortles looking okay to dare I say even good. To see Ryan Fitzpatrick being the third quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400 plus yards in his first two games, joining, by the way, Tom Brady and Cam Newton. It all feels weird to say the Jags and the Bucks are good. It just feels odd. It feels really odd. But to answer the question, are they the real deal? 
Listen, Fitzmatrick, I love it. Okay, I absolutely love it. He's looking like a guy who's going to steal Jameis Winston's job, which it's about damn time somebody put Jameis Winston in a reality check. And I love everything that goes along with this good storyline. I just don't see it lasting in terms of this regard. Now, they could at this point be, you know, one of these shocking uh, shocking playoff teams, but I, I don't see them being any type of real threat in terms of, like, I'm not even convinced they're going to make the playoffs, if that makes sense. For the Jags, to me, they're the real deal. I'm going to go there. I think they're the real deal. It seems weird, but the only reason I have reservations is because of them being the Jacksonville Jaguars and what that has meant over the past decade. But I think if I remove that, they have a real chance of being the number one seed here. They play the Titans and the Jets next, so you are very easily looking at worst, a 3-1 and one team if not a 4-0 team after the first quarter of play. 90 seconds on the clock. The Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers tying it. But a lot of the talk in this game has come out of the Clay Matthews roughing the passer call and debating whether or not this was a call. For those who don't know, a quick summary. He got called for a pass, uh, roughing the passer call that took away an interception they had on Kirk Cousins that would have sealed the deal for them. I played the clip on today's show and reacted to it. You've probably already seen it by now. And I've heard the reaction. This is a BS call. This is a completely... How, how can they call this? It's bullcrap. It's a terrible call. And on and on and on and on. Have you not been watching the NFL so far this season? Did you not watch week one? Because if you watch week one, if you watch the preseason, you should have known by now that they are going to call it. We can argue all day long till the cows come home about whether or not this is a rule we like or want in this league. But to deny this is a penalty at this point, with the rest being relatively consistent on this rule so far, to me is, is just bizarre. It's bizarre. And the reality is the Vikings deserved that game anyway. And if they had a competent kicker, they would have de- would have actually gotten not only deserved that game. And my message to Green Bay Packers fans who are upset about this is like, well, I don't know. Score more than nine points in the final 36 minutes to play with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Who I know had, you know, such an oh-so-bad knee injury that looked completely fine. But okay, like score more than nine points in 36 minutes if you didn't want this to happen. Blame it on your offense. Blame it on your defense for getting Minnesota back in the game. This is should like not anywhere near close to the top of the list of what you should be complaining about. 90 seconds before I do get to the New Orleans Saints and then the kicking debacle that was this week in the NFL, Sam Darnold. You know, some week two struggles here. Two interceptions, but I'm not concerned at all. I got to be honest. Like, that's the headline is Sam Darnold struggles in week two. I'm not concerned. In fact, I'm going to go here. I like Sam Darnold even more after this week. I'm feeling even better for New York Jets fans after this week. Like, yes, he was inconsistent. No two ways about it. There was times in that game where he looked really good, and you saw why he was a top draft pick just a couple months ago. And then there were other times where you're like, holy cow, that was really bad, and he looked like a rookie quarterback. And his two interceptions in part were that. You had one that was completely on him, and then you had the other one that was on Terrell Pryor. And what I really, really liked about this game, and why I'm really saying what I'm saying, is because Sam Darnold, after the game, on that interception, quote, I put that on myself. I thought I could have given him a better chance to go get that ball. Blaming it on himself. Not afraid to take blame even though it wasn't. 
Then Terrell Pryor, in a separate interview, said, quote, I let him down. I said it to him. After the game, I said, I hope you forgive me. I'll make sure I'm there next time. That's not on Sam. So Darnold took the blame, and then it is not common to see a wide receiver and a team kind of back a guy like Sam Darnold this quickly. So that, to me, shows he's liked in the locker room. I like him on the field. Like, uh, uh, no, I'm not concerned, and I like what I'm seeing. 60 seconds on the clock before I do get to the kicking disaster that was this week, the New Orleans Saints. The reality is the New Orleans Saints, who, by the way, I had as my Super Bowl pick coming into this year and number two overall in the power rankings in week one. Spoiler alert for my power rankings, which will be released some point in the upcoming days. Last week, I had them at six. I had dropped them from two to six. They probably won't even be in the top ten. But regardless, I digressed. You were a good kicker, or forget good, an average kicker away from losing to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Cleveland Browns in back-to-back weeks. And I don't care how hot Fitzmagic is, the New Orleans Saints should not be in this situation. And as far as I'm concerned, outside of Michael Thomas, nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. They all might as well just stayed out. Not even showed up for that game. Because, again, outside of the bad man that is Michael Thomas, who needs and deserves all the respect in the world, I don't know what the hell's up with this team. But they better figure it out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Sean Payton and that coaching staff has to figure this out. Because right now, it's a disgrace as to anywhere close to what they should be right now. And let's wrap it up. Actually, I lied. We have one more segment after this on Vontae Davis retiring at halftime. And as you can tell, it's very busy here. Uh, The NFL, a kicking disaster this weekend. You saw it. You've heard about it. This is why I've said, and I tweeted this out at the time, NickFriend24, where I do all my live reactions to these NFL games. The kicker position in the NFL, outside of possibly the offensive line, is a completely and utterly underrated position. A super, super underrated position. This week alone, 19 kicks. 19 kicks were missed. 12 of them field goals. And here's the crazy part to me. Seven of them were PATs, point afters. 33 yards. 33 yards. I'm going to give you my papa, my grandfather. He's lean. He's mean. He's over six feet. He'll kick a 33-yard field goal for you. Hell, I'll train for a month and do it. This is inexcusable. You've now had 31 kicks missed in two weeks, and mentally, these kickers are clearly a mess. And if I was a team that had a good, competent field goal kicker right now, A, I'd be considering giving him a contract extension, and B, I would be thinking my lucky stars that I do because two teams this weekend, the Vikings and the Browns, they got cost, like, they, they lost games because of this. And it's just, like, baffling to me that PATs are being missed. Like, I still I still can't even wrap my mind around that. Like, <laughs> on that note, let's get to this. It's one of the most popular stories in, in some ways after this weekend. Vontae Davis retiring at halftime. He retired at halftime. Walked out, left the stadium. Buffalo Bills said, I'm done. I, I, I've seen the reaction. People being hard on Vontae Davis. I don't get it. I don't blame him. You want to play for the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo of all places this season? Well, I don't. You don't. Nobody does. 
And Vontae Davis, the reality is, was probably thinking about it. A lot of ex-players in multiple sports have said, if you think of it, meaning retirement, then do it. And he did it. He was probably on the edge. He then looked around and said, what the hell am I doing here? If I'm already considering retirement, there's no way in hell I should be on this team because we're atrocious and I'm in Buffalo and I want the hell out. So he didn't waste any time and he got the hell out. Is the halftime thing the greatest look? No. But do I have a problem with this itself? Absolutely not. And in fact, I thought we liked players to be honest, not front and be real about it. And that's what Davis did. So I, I, I borderline have zero problem with it. You know, maybe he shouldn't have left the stadium. Maybe he should have retired at halftime, but then stayed there to talk to the team and not left the stadium. But like, I, I don't have a problem with this. I really don't. And on that note, <laughs> that is the podcast earlier today. The Sports Nick Show released as always on SportsNick.com and the YouTube channel tomorrow. Back with the Sports Nick Show and podcast. Thank you so much for the support. It's truly appreciated. Seriously. And I'll catch you tomorrow.